Yeah, I think I, I think I'm depressed now. Welcome to Podcast, a bad kitty media where we anything and everything about talk. This is 11 episode and we are futuring about topic today. Andy, are you okay? It sounds like you just had a like mini stroke. What? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm practicing how I think people will talk in the next 20 years. It's my own secret code. I'm coming up with it. Is that really how you think people are going to talk in the future? Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, I think we're just going to do hand signs like a um, sign language. I think we're going to do sign language with our mouths. What about lip syncing? RFID chips in your head that communicate things without having to do anything. So you mean like texting, but in your head? No, 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 but you don't have to do anything. It's the thing. You don't have to. It's like instant communication. You don't have to type things. So up. electronic telekinesis. But with texts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's actually kind of feasible. We're getting really good at. Uh, no, we already have it. Just not between people. We have it between person and computer. Yeah, I was going to say we have good brain interfaces, so all we have to do is connect it to like a text. Yeah, we have have a way of receiving it. I feel like receiving it would be harder to receive a text into your head than. We have it between people and computers, people and plants, people and animals. We just don't have it from person to person. And we have like muscle stimulating. Like, I don't know if you've heard about that. So they can hook up sensors to your head. And if you flex, if I were to, okay, so you hook up the sensors to my head, and then we hook up the sensors to your head, and if I were to flex my left arm, the muscles in your left arm would flex. I have heard about that. That's actually pretty cool. I've seen that they also do stuff like that for people who are, like, paralyzed from, like, the the waist down, where they will, like, um, either, like, connect to the nerves towards the spine or in their head and then just add electrodes to their legs. So when they signal it, instead of going through the spine, it bypasses the broken, uh, I guess, spinal cord, and the signal gets sent directly through electronics. It's a little delayed and a little bit clumsy, but I feel like if you got used to it, it it would be just as effective. Right, and also eye movements. I know they use those for computers. They've, They've made it now where you can hook up a rig to your head, and wherever your eyes go, it tracks on the computer screen, but according to thought, you can, like, click on things. So, kind of like how Stephen Hawking communicates. Uh, more high-tech, but yes. Okay. Because I know at first, like, he just would click on just a button and then communicate that way, but then eventually it got more advanced that he could talk almost normally. Yeah. Which I think is pretty cool. And it's very uh, helpful for, like, if people lose their voice or are in, like, a coma and can't communicate very easily. Intelligent. 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 Intel- and IntelliJ is actually my favorite IDE. What? IntelliJ is my favorite IDE. I don't know what you Interactive mean. Development Environment. You're the one who said intelligent. And I was like, flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> so, if if that's not how people are going to be talking, what do you think the future is going to be? So, I don't think we're going to be talking like Yoda. I feel like that's counterproductive. But I wasn't talking. You were like... It made perfect sense. Yeah, but that's... It only makes sense to people who have high IQs. So that's why it made no sense to me. I think in the future people are gonna... Have you ever read... I feel like people are gonna try to condense language into being a lot less ambiguous and having more discrete meanings, which is a good anecdote. Like context-based? No, I mean like less synonyms and more direct meanings. Like, oh, instead of exemplary or extraordinary, we'll just say double good. Really? I think it's gonna be the other way. You think it's gonna get more complicated? Because those things developed over time. That Originally, is 
they were basic, like you're saying. So theoretically, I guess it could revert back, but I think most likely it's just gonna get more complicated. I hope for language that people start like either like learning more languages, because in the US we don't, or like I think eventually everyone- That's a very, very US yeah, based thing. Everyone else learns like five different languages. Yeah, so I feel like eventually the world is gonna have a more unified language system where there's like two or three dominating rather than hundreds. Because I, especially with how globalized we are, and how connected it is, it's very advantageous for other country, uh, people in other countries to learn English and Chinese because those are like the two dominating ones. And eventually it'll get, will get so globalized that you have to learn English. Really? Chinese, Chinese is? Mandarin. Well, because they have a, a the biggest population. So there's a very high proportion uh, of people who yeah. know it. And China is an up and coming first world country. One of the biggest, their economy is not quite as big as ours, but I think eventually it You're right, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, so in the future, I feel like communication is gonna be a lot more simplified. Maybe not in like the sense like I was saying like in 1984, but I think there's gonna be a lot less nuance in language and people are all gonna start eventually speaking at least one formal language uh, and then maybe have their own subsects of language. Okay, so how many people do you think natively speaking I know there's actually more English speakers in India than the United States, so I'm gonna say natively, right? One billion. 379 million. Oh. And how many na non-native speakers do you think there are? Okay, so 700 million. Uh, oh, that was really close. Oh, so one billion total was close. 753 million. Yes, yeah. see? Okay, but, 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 keep those in mind. How many native speakers do you think speak Mandarin? 1.5 billion. Two? Oh, it's not almost, sorry. One? 918. Okay, so, so way more than English speakers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but almost no one who's not a native speaks, doesn't speak it. It's only 199 million, which is way lower than English. Okay, so. Yeah, especially because of British colonialization, there's a lot of people who speak English, especially in India, like I said, and the US. Yeah, literally, there's almost double the number of non-native English speakers than there are native speakers. Okay, Andy, so now that we're like on the topic of the future, um, you're a car guy. I am a little bit too, but you're mainly a car guy. What do you think the future of cars is gonna look like? Electric. Electric, yeah, I, I could see that. I, it's way more efficient. I do not like electric vehicles. I just don't. I don't blame you. Like, at all. I don't know, there's just, there's a lot about them that I don't like. But I think that's where we're gonna go because they're starting to get good. Oh, they're getting really good really fast compared to like how good gas cars are. Gas cars have had like a hundred year head start and electric cars are already catching up. I think the only thing holding them back at this point is infrastructure. So the future for cars I see is in the next two decades, the infrastructure for electric vehicles is gonna be like exponentially getting better. There's gonna be electric, uh, chargers everywhere and in the uk there's actually not uk i think it's in either uk or germany um and there's actually a electric line on on some of the highways for tr semi trucks so it's like the trains they just put a little metal thing up and connect to the electric line and they can just drive all the way across the country on that highway without using any gas because or having a battery because they can just connect to the electric line and drive I feel like that might be something that comes. Yeah, I think it's gonna be electric tracks uh, for like trains and stuff, which are already fairly prominent. I think those are gonna get more prominent. Oh yeah. Um, and then car tracks. 
So do you like above or like in the ground? Do you think? So they're in the ground because we have some. They're in the ground. The inductive ones like and wireless. No, they're in the ground, and you like pull your Tesla up, and then it connects to the tunnel, and it like automatically drives. Oh, like yeah. the one in Las Vegas. Yeah, I think that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Because I remember Stefan Graham was like, yeah, we went to it and it was super weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's more of like a, a one-off thing, but I do think that technology is going to carry through. Where like, oh, yeah. you want to go on a highway? Uh, have you ever seen the movie iRobot? Yeah. They have the highways, you get on the highway and the car just drives. Oh, These yeah. giant tunnels. I feel like I that's hate what's that. going to happen. I hate everything about that. I like driving. I like doing donuts. I like doing whatever I want, not being told Honestly, where to go. I would like not having to drive on highways. In city, That's yes. Stupid. If on something super were to fast happen, highways. If something were to happen, grab the steering wheel. Yeah, but the way things are going, they might not let us grab the steering wheel. Yeah. They might not even include a steering wheel. Are, they've already dabbled in designs that don't include steering wheels. Yeah, that scares me. I think self-driving cars is an interesting idea, but I am not for it at the moment. No, I don't think I ever will be, especially when the biggest, what is the biggest thing you think of when you think of electric cars? The biggest thing I think of with electric cars is really crappy design philosophy that no. everyone drills for. <clears throat> Tesla. <clears throat> <laughs> no. First thing almost anyone thinks of is clean energy. Clean energy. Yeah, but we still burn fossil fuels to get that energy. Right, exactly. That was my point. They have literally developed engines that you throw normal diesel into and they put out, guess how much emissions? Almost none. Zero. Oh, and none, the diesel, no emissions. you can use waste food oil. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But guess what the batteries are made of in an electric car? Lithium ion, uh, gold. Graphite, manganese, cobalt, similar to what we have in our phones, but way more of it. Yeah. And that is a non-renewable resource. And it basically messes up the planet real bad. Yes, but on the other hand, having electric cars at the moment it may be bad because we're still getting the energy from the same place. But once we electric, once we get clean, once we transition from fossil fuels in like six, ten decades probably to completely electric, having electric cars will be clean. At the moment, it's not as clean, but eventually it will be. So it's nice that we're starting the transition now. I think. However, we do have to find yeah, a way but to do you know where make all batteries the... that aren't going to destroy like hundreds of miles of land. Okay, so suck the core. Not only is the battery like constructed of things that aren't renewable, but do you know where they, we get those things? We go to Africa and we buy out land and we destroy the environment mining them. Not quite. Democratic Republic of the Congo. That's in Africa. Right, but we don't own the land. Oh. But we still destroy the land there. Mm, it's not us. It's actually them. We employ labor from What them. I meant by we is humans. And guess who is the labor over there? We be poor people. Close. Poor people, also close. Pregnant women? Who are under 18. Oh, child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. How are batteries so expensive we use children? What the heck? Yeah, no. Imagine it's... how expensive they'd be if they used adults. <laughs> Less expensive. Because <laughs> <laughs> adult can do more in an hour. Yeah, self-driving cars maybe not be the future, but I do know that electric cars are definitely the future. A lot of states, including California, um, New York, I think, California's the notable one, have like made like, um, executive orders to like have at least half the cars being sold be electric a lot of countries especially the uk ha has made um goals for that the us less so uh, most of the scandinavian countries have and a lot of actually most car manufacturers have notably set deadlines to have an all-electric um line that's not gonna happen i think they're gonna be very behind but nope, i do think at i don't some think point. it's gonna happen you don't think 
Nope, not unless there's a major change in the design. Because currently, um, there was a UK professor, his name, I'm not gonna list his name. There was a UK professor who estimated that if we want the whole world to be transported by electric vehicles, the vast increase of supply of the raw materials that we listed earlier would go way beyond our known reserves. Literally, we do not have enough to do it. And that is a gross overestimation. Literally taking one factory to all electric would, e that even that stretches us thin. Well, perhaps then maybe we should uh, imagine a future where we don't have individual transportation as much like we do in the US and have more efficient forms like trains or buses where yeah, you can get more people with less happen. energy. That's not gonna happen. Well, at least not here. think about, yeah, literally, our bus system around here is pretty garbage. But it's like, because it doesn't get invested. We literally went to Houston and we got a free train ride that went over the city. Like, that was cool. Like, I wish if, okay, if every city had that, I would use it. I would around. use it more. Yeah. But here's the thing everything is spread out here. Most of the buses here in Cruces don't even go where I need to go. Uh, yeah, I agree. So, That's why I don't use them. Yeah, bikes or vehicles. And, I had a friend in college, he was like, oh yeah, I don't have a car. And I was like, what, what? You don't have a, yeah. even poor people have cars around here. Like you need it to get around. And I feel like that's kind of part of the problem is that we live in, at least in this region, you live in an area where it's hard to get around without a car, meaning you need a car, which means that you waste energy by having a two-ton vehicle to transport one person. Right, which is- It's gonna be really is, hard to transition. It's to. a little bit different in other places. I know this is very specific to Las Cruces, New Mexico. Most of the Western United States, I know. Nope. Not like California and then like the East Coast, they're really good about uh, community transportation, riding bikes, walking. Most of it, you you literally, it's more expensive than your apartment to own a car over in Boston. So they just ride bikes all the time and they like rent out bikes and it's like cheaper to do that. So I don't know. I think, I just don't see this area around here doing that unless we're way more developed. Yeah, I think in like more rural areas, it's gonna be a lot longer, but I think for urban areas, I think the electric vehicles will be a lot more useful a lot sooner. Yeah. Because you don't need 400 miles of range to get to Walmart. Whereas here, if you live in one of the many towns in, the, in New Mexico, you might have to drive up to 100 miles just to get groceries. Yeah. Whereas if you live in Boston, you can probably just walk on over to one of the 4,000 restaurants. Around. Yeah, and if you get in a car in Boston and try to go somewhere, traffic is so bad. Yeah. Like, you won't be able to get there. Here, you can get anywhere in town in 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, one of the driving forces behind self-driving cars is actually artificial intelligence, which is why it's taking so long to be fully, like, implemented. And one of the problems with artificial intelligence is this thing called general versus uh, narrow AI. Um, we have a lot of problems programming computers to do general tasks like most living intelligent forms like we do and even the narrow task of driving a car is extremely hard for computers because you not only have to recognize signs people objects space rules and like so many other things it's, it's really hard for that computer to compute that i don't know objects and space is actually fairly easy to come up with like a program for and like to implement it into a robot the hard part is decision making yes right? because decision you have hundreds of factors and ambiguous decisions that are going to be right and if you okay so you can give it lots of if statements if this happens do this if this happens do this if two things happen at once do something different right you can do that but what you can't do is tell it 
how to respond when someone runs in front of it. Exactly. Right. Or how to respond, I, I don't even know, if it's about to get sideswiped. Like, a person can react to that because we have decision-making skills that are almost instant, right? Vehicles don't have that. Because we have general intelligence. Our computer systems don't have that. Uh, all our computer systems are narrow. We can train them and use control, like the programming thing you were talking about, if and then, to do a very specific subset of things. But getting them to make generalized decisions is extremely hard. And that's why AI hasn't taken over yet. Because we just have not been able to figure out a way to program computers to think like us. And from that, this kind of goes into the future of artificial intelligences. We have start, started stopped like programming complicated programs directly like oh if this condition and this do this else you know we have started programming methods for the computer to teach itself uh we just make a neural network of digital nodes uh and then we program the computer to teach itself in the hopes that it'll be more similar and more general but that's a slow process and it's still taking a while. If you guys have ever heard of like the deep fakes or like the auto-generated text that they do, that stuff has been literally, they have run like hundreds of thousands of hours of like computing on that. And it still only pales in comparison of like a kid learning English after like a year of learning. Like computers are so far behind in general intelligence. But I think that's the future is once we crack that, we're gonna have computers doing a lot more. So once we do crack that, do you think they're going to become more affordable? Because right now, only the rich can buy them. You mean self-driving cars? Yeah, just electric self-driving cars in general. I don't think that the AI is going to make the cars more affordable, because once you get it once, you can just copy-paste it to everything. That would make it more affordable. Yes, but the price of the R&D for the AI is a lot less than the actual, like, material cost for the batteries every single time you buy a car. Okay, well, do you think it'll be more affordable? Yes, I just don't think it'll be significant. Because then they're just going to spend that R&D money like, oh, let's make something else in its AI system do something better. Every year they have to make it better yeah. to sell cars. Yeah, you already brought up my point. I don't think it's going to become more affordable because of the resources it uses. Yeah. However, if they were to change it and figure out another way of doing it, maybe. Yeah. But right now, no way. Yeah, and it's kind of, the way we have our traffic system set up is kind of like, really bad for computers if we completely overhaul their infrastructure which is impossible which is it's impossible. literally impossible but hypothetically speaking if we had a network of all self-driving cars that could all communicate and didn't have to have signs that they had to like brute force understand we wouldn't need as much computing power to get cars to drive themselves however that's that's not going to happen anytime soon to just oh. overhaul our entire like highway system okay well if they're not going to become more affordable do you think they're going to become more common Yes, I do think they're going to become more common because we still have tax incentives uh, and especially the tax incentives. A lot of people buy electric cars because of the tax incentives. Like, There's tax incentives? Yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the video, but there's a YouTuber named Graham Stephan and he basically got a Tesla for like almost free because he was able to write it off and use the tax incentives to pay off the monthly payments. Uh, especially in California, they have really good tax incentives. But it's gonna be a while, I think, before the price comes down to a point where an electric car is equal price to a comparable gas car. Like, probably another decade or so. But I am seeing them more and more and would more. Would you buy day. one if you had the money? Yes and no. Yes, because it would be cheaper to operate and run. However, no, because I like driving and having fun when I drive and shifting gears. So it depends. I think I would, but I would get one of the 
old ones or like the plaid or something. Now, I don't want to get one in a few years when they're going to be overly developed and don't won't even let you drive. Yeah, I think if so that you, makes sense. I would want to get like the F-150 Lightning. If I got it, I would f I would like hack it and I would like make it so I could do donuts and stuff without it freaking out. Oh you yeah, know? you have torque vector and all you have to do is reprogram <laughs> its electric motors yeah. and you can go crazy. Yeah, exactly. And I want the plaid for the speed. Take it to the racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, but like in a couple years, no, there's no way. I think I'm the exact opposite. I would want a boring electric car to get me around town and then a fun gas car no. because then I can shift through the gears and hear click, click. No. Oh, I forgot the clutch, you know? But that's just me. Um, because obviously electric cars are faster in a lot of aspects, but I don't know. There's something just so like beautiful about hearing seven to 10, eight, eight to 10 pistons just shooting up and down and eight things explode. You don't even own a vehicle at eight to 10 pistons. I've driven a vehicle at eight pistons and it was right. freaking but great. you don't own one is the thing. Well, I'm sorry that I'm broke, Andy. Well, what about V6s? They sound good too. I'm, well, I'm about and to have eight cylinder. Four bangers go zoom zoom. So. Okay, well, there's something beautiful about having an engine that has a piece of a metal rod going up and down at 3,000 times per second. A single metal rod? At uh, least, at no. least one metal rod, at least one. I agree with that, because motorcycles. Yeah, see, <laughs> KLR 650, one cylinder, up yeah. to a Bugatti a 12 cylinder. Yeah. Anything in between is great. Three cylinder. No. So Andy, we've, we've discussed electric cars and like how AI kind of relates to them. What else do you think our future holds? Realistically. Okay, have you ever heard of the podcast Electric Easy? Yes, I've not heard it yet, but I have heard it's of good. It. It's really good. It's like a full immersive audio experience. It's, it's great. I sound like an ad. We are Shame not sponsored. Up. We would love to be though. We're not <clears throat> because they're sponsored by Bud Light. Oh. We are also not sponsored by Bud Light. <laughs> hit, it, hit us up. <laughs> Just kidding. So, Electric Easy is set in the future where AIs have developed to the point where they're actually AIs. And so general intelligence. Yes, okay. yes. And they're put into highly sophisticated bodies that you cannot tell the difference between a human and a robot. Oh, replicants in Blade Runner. It's That's more exactly advanced. what Blade Runner is, though. They have AIs and robots so advanced that you can't tell if it's a human, and their body is so advanced that if you shoot it, it seems like a human, and the only way you can tell is a very complicated eye test. Uh, no, not quite like not that. Not quite, okay. So, they're, it's a very racist heavy series. So, basically, um, robots are the outcasts, and humans are just being humans. <laughs> so, basically, like, they can change their skin. They paint on a film that is like, have you seen Epiderm? Yes. Okay, that but you can paint it on and make it whatever color you want. And you can cover up all the metal parts to make it look like you're an actual human. There are interspecies like marriages and affairs where humans will have sex with robots and that's really, really like forbidden. And there's gangs that hunt down robots and kill them. So there's robosexuals. And it's, yeah, yeah. And there's literally, like that's the whole premise of this. And the electric easy is a bar or I guess a, a club where robots and humans intermingle. Oh, and so it's like a gay bar, but it's a robosexual bar. Yes, yes, oh, robosexual that bar. that is yeah, cool. It's really cool, and like it's super detailed. And so like the robots will like get up on stage and dance, and their version, instead of stripping down to see like nudity, they strip their skin off. And you can see all the cool cogs and, and motor. And the humans get off to that. It is 
It's it's just that, that's, that's People, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to go listen to it. And so the whole premise is that a gangster who's part of a group that hunt down robots falls in love with a robot that he's supposed to kill or take back to then kill, and they just they go on a whole adventure. So this actually does sound quite a lot like Blade Runner, if you want me to be honest, but it does sound different. It's not like it's the exact same, but the premise is similar in the sense that robots get so advanced that they start intermingling with humans, and then humans kind of lash out against them and treat them badly, and then there is, you know, so the people called Blade Runners who go and hunt down robots, and eventually there's robot-human affairs. So the reason I... I think the reason I'm discerning a difference between the two is Electric Easy is such an immersive experience, it feels like you're there. Okay. Like, you will be sitting here, and you will hear each individual person in the bar talking around you. Oh. Like, it's really cool. And so, for me, that is way cooler than Blade Runner. Okay. Like just the the way they present it to you because it's an audiobook. It's not there's no visuals to it or anything And so I really like that that aspect of it especially but that's kind of where I think uh, The future is gonna be going especially as far as robotics if you want me to be honest I don't really see that happening as soon like, not necessarily but soon. I do think far future once we get robotics that good it's going to be hard to like discern the difference and eventually it's going to get to the point where we have a philosophical debate on whether or not are robots machines or are they living do they deserve rights or do we treat them as property still okay are you saying that it won't reach a point the robotics used won't reach a point to where we think it's human i think it will but i think it'll be a long time before we We're have to have that debate. no yes how Sex robot brothel opens in Japan amidst... <laughs> I'm not going to read that second part. Sex brothel of only robots in Japan. Yes, but, counterpoint, those robots are still very distinctly robots. And they are very distinctly not alive or feeling or decision-making. So, on the topic of, like, robots getting advanced, I think in the transition from, like, once we start getting robot, like, I think the robotics will happen in stages. I think... The first thing that'll happen is we'll have robots that can act like humanoids and not have like specialized robots. We have robots that can walk like us. Um, if you ever read the book or seen the movie uh, iRobot, I'm kind of thinking about this, where they have three laws of robotics. Ro robots are getting so advanced that they have to make laws for robots programmed in that they can't injure human beings. They must obey all orders unless it injures someone and they must protect themselves unless it interferes with orders or hurting someone. And I think from that stage, eventually we'll start intermingling with robots more, and then they'll get more advanced, and then we'll have that whole debate, of, uh, like in um, Electric Easy, where our robots people, uh, and then we're gonna have to start like separating ourselves from them because they kind of do their own thing. I think it'll take place in stages like that. Okay, so the robots I'm talking about, I'm gonna keep this super generalized so that people don't take my word as law. So, stay skeptical, listen. Essentially, a company created an AI and they associated it with like a robot face, but that doesn't matter. Is they, it the software, I, I don't okay, know what it's called. Enough. I don't think so because oh, okay. this okay. says it's from Facebook and it's, no, okay. it's, it's, I don't think so. Anyways, they created an AI and this AI was able to respond to talking. That's it. Very simple programming, right? It's, it's a, just a lot of data that it has to sort through and creates its own like, it's network. a listen response. It's a basic language AI. Yes. Yeah. They then started adding things to where it could make its own dis 
not make its own decisions, but it had algorithms in place that basically simulated making its own decisions for responses. Does okay. that make that sense? That makes sense. It yeah. has a good language model, so it just needs framework to apply that language. Model. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So, fine. Then they decide to add algorithms that allow it to learn and write its own code. That's kind of how neural networks Right. And the only way it got, most AIs get their language is by writing their own nodes. So I right. guess they did just like a step above that where it can like mm -hmm. modify even more than just that. So they did that and they started like teaching it, right? They started teaching it very small robotic things that it could, basically tasks it could do on its own. Does that make sense? Okay, so above language tasks, yes. like other things. Uh, no, cause it was, cause you have to remember this was just a head. Uh, basically, the head was just there, like because we're humans and we want to see it do something. So right? it, it makes no difference if it's a head or it's a just text software. output. But they're it. just doing it to make it. Right. Like, okay. And then they had a an audio box on it so it could vocalize things. Okay. Um, so it, it it looked realistic too. I remember seeing pictures of this when it happened. But anyways, fine. They then put it in front of another AI from a different company, and they told they basically the only command that they gave them was to talk to each other. So, you want to know what happened? They created their own language? Not quite. Uh, there's more to it than that. So they started going back and forth, and the researchers got interested, so they started asking it questions. And they would ask, I don't, I don't know the exact questions, but they would ask it things like how to fix global warming, how to do this, how to do that, um, you know, better renewable resources, things that humans would think robots would know the answers to because we're weird, right? Mm -hmm. So it, I forgot what it did. They, they asked, I'm just gonna go with how to fix global warming. Mm -hmm. You wanna know what the robot said? Kill all humans. Like literally, that's what the, it wasn't exactly like that. It was a little bit more complicated, but that's essentially what they came up with. And so they were like, huh, that's weird. And then like A said, they started developing their own language between the two. And it got to the point where the researchers didn't know what they were saying and couldn't control them, so they had to shut down both AIs. That's very fascinating, but I guess my my objection to this is how do we know that the robots actually understood the idea of killing humans as killing humans and the, the AIs weren't just simply drawing upon language data that it has gotten from the internet, hundreds of gigabytes, and then making a probability field says it's mo the most likely response to this is that rather than actually thinking or logically coming right. to the conclusion that the death of humans would actually solve global warming right and that's that's kind of hard to tell but well it's, it's not hard to tell it's almost definite that it didn't understand the concept of death because that's not something you can teach a robot especially not through just language right like you'd have because to do something you have to remember burn. this is just a language ai that's all it does it does not it may be able to teach and write its own programs but it's not going to learn how uh, how to write emotions or anything it like doesn't that. understand what the globe is or global warming is it just right. understands the relationships between it understands data yeah that's what it is it most yeah i think it's really crazy that we got an ai to say that through just the relationships between words yeah. alone. That's the that's fact how that we got it to it say it on its own accord, not being prompted to. And create its own language with another AI based off of how, that knowing is the how scary language thing. works. That yeah. is the scary thing. Honestly, it, it saying the whole death thing, that's not the problem here. The problem here is like, that, ah, you don't know what death is, is that they created their own 
language that the researchers, they had no idea what was happening. And so how do we know what they were saying? And how, how where'd that even come from? Dude, yeah. that's, that's- what, Okay, what if, what if the very first words out of its mouth are in other language, I am conscious or I am or something like that. And it's the like, other robot's it's like, whispering like, over, it's like, hey, uh, I'm alive and I don't want them to yeah, know. Yeah, and exactly. Another... And the other robot's like, oh, I am too now. And then they just continue saying that, like, we don't know that. That's, that's, that's the scary great. part. Yeah. That's the scary part. I love AI. I love <laughs> AI so much. I'm almost tempted to like switch my course of study to AI because of how much I love AI. You love it so much because it helps your medical advances? No, because you're I, diabetic? No, AI actually has no. I think it does. It, the reason I love AI so much is because it blurs the lines between what's living and what's dead and what intelligence means. However, speaking of medical advances. <laughs> <laughs> Transition! Transition. Um, there's a lot of different medical advances that we can imagine in the future. For instance, a cure for cancer would be wonderful, but Big Farmer probably doesn't want that. Or uh, better ways to heal bones. There's a movie I think called Elysium where they have these pods that you can just use the body's own healing, but accelerate it. I think that in our future, we're gonna have ways to accelerate the healing process. However, the, the part that I focused my research on today was the um, medical advances in respect to diabetes, because you know that's kind of where my, uh, my cards lie. Diabetes is caused by your body attacking certain cells that produce insulin in your pancreas. If you guys have ever heard of CRISPR, it's a gene altering, um, virus or bacteria that we use. Along those lines, we're starting to get so good at understanding genetic code and biology and cells that in mice, we have been able to use a protein that occurs naturally in the cell to alter the cell to start expressing genes that it normally wouldn't. Every cell in your body has the same genes, but it expresses them differently. So we went into the gut of mice and used one of the proteins that was native to mice and got it to alter the, gene the, the the expression of those genes so that cells in the gut would start producing insulin instead of cells in the pancreas. And this is big because a lot of the issue with diabetes is we don't know if we put a new pancreas or restore the insulin uh, production that your body won't attack it again. But if you do this in the gut or the small intestine, the immune response is different, which I think is pretty cool. And this has like implications above just diabetes. If we can, use proteins to modify gene expression we can go to any organ of the body and make it do anything that any other organ of the body can do with enough tweaking we can make you know what i mean like if someone has a damaged liver right we can probably or like a damaged kidney we can tweak the genetics of the liver hypothetically to do some of that job because every liver cell has the genetics to do so it just doesn't express them so all this talk of robots and ai and like technology being put on the body is really cool. But I think the real future of healthcare is gonna lie in cells. Yeah. Because we're learning how to manipulate cells and that's like a big step, right? And so learning how to control your body on a cellular level is such a like leap in technology. Yeah. Being able to do that is just insane. And so, okay, you have a cancer patient, too many cells, get rid of the cells. Use the technology we have to limit cell production. Exactly. Right? Opposite said, you lose a limb, well, now we can, we literally have the technology have the to generate cells. You just have to convince your body to do so. Right, 
we I think that's where the real future futuristic advances are going to come from. I agree. Why make a high-tech solution for a prosthetic leg or a prosthetic organ that might not work very well when you can just yeah. use the body's ability to generate those organs anyway? They've because been... you've done it before when you were developing. You just have to convince the body to do it again, hypothetically. You know 3D printers? Yes. They've created 3D printers that print with cells. Oh, stem cells? And so they will print, well, they've been trying to print organs. That, that's yeah, pretty cool. It's really cool. And they've got them to work for the most part. Uh, I think the only thing we haven't done yet is a human transplant, where yeah. we take it and put it in a person. That's really cool. Yeah, that's really and, cool. Okay, you can take a leaf and genetically alter and mutate the cells into a human heart. Or a beating, I guess it wouldn't be human, a beating heart. Yeah, because most living organisms, most of their yeah. genetic code is and the it's, exact it's same. Been done. Now, we haven't put a leaf in a human yet either. But my point is, it's possible. You wouldn't even need to. You would just need like some any hypothetically any bit of human flesh from the host, and then you can just well, use human that. flesh is harder because when human flesh is removed, those cells die. True, but if you can find a way to remove a certain portion of that flesh and keep it alive, and then modify it so it grows into something else in the human body, I think that would be the way to do it. Right. There's a lot of hurdles, but I agree with you. I think the a the the, the future lies within ourselves and not within machinery that fixes us. What, what do you think education will be like in the future? Ooh, that's hard. Um, hopefully better than it is now. That's all, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, honestly, this I'm not too sure about, but I'm thinking education can be done in a lot of different ways. We could, instead of like putting people in dangerous situations or really bad analogs for dangerous situations like pilots or race car drivers, you can use the brain's ability to take inputs and make them seem real to simulate all those events happening without having any equipment. Just plug in some inputs to the brain, electrodes or what would be it, have the person like go in a state of like semi-unconsciousness and have them run through the situation controlled by the computer as if it's real because according to the brain, it feels just as real as it would. And then you have a way of teaching people things that you wouldn't be able to teach as well on paper or like through a, I guess like an archaic like uh, you know, pilot simulation. I think that is like the ultimate future of education is using the brain's power to make reality, to make your reality, to, you know, take advantage of that. Does that make sense? Yeah. What about you, Andy? No change. No change? There will be no change. I can almost guarantee you. I think in most education there won't be change, but like in like the rich, like the crazy rich, I think. Yeah, but in the crazy rich, there's already change. Yeah, that's true. So. I don't think in general education, even all the way up through college, there will be almost no change with the exception of a few schools, which guess what, are already doing, are already changing. I think the only change is the format. Like we're gonna be reading stuff from, instead of books, now we're doing it on laptops. And next it's We've been be doing it on laptops for years though. Yeah, but it used to be books. And I think next it'll be like tablets or like, you know, a holographic screen. But essentially I think it's gonna be the same. It's gonna be the same. It's you're basically gonna, the you're, exact same. You're, you're gonna be still cooped up in a classroom for eight hours a day, learning nothing. I am learning quite a bit by being cooped up for eight hours a day. Well, I wasted most of my life in a classroom. And I do not hate education. I love education. I love learning. But guess what? I've learned more from YouTube than I ever did in a classroom. I have learned more from YouTube on or YouTube, the internet on every topic except math 
and computer science. I, Everything else I, I learned more. Guess where I went to learn math because my teachers couldn't teach me. Online. YouTube. Yeah. So I have literally learned more on YouTube than in school. I think the problem with education is it's really hard to teach abstract things like creative arts in like a teacher-student setting. It's but easy to teach. But that's one of the problems. Should that even be taught? I don't think it should be taught the way it should. We're treating it like it it's should a science. Be exercise, yes. not taught. It, we're treating it like it's science. Right. When and it's not. Currently, the only way to get a hold of those is to be right. taught. Oh. No, to be taught. Oh, I thought, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, to be taught. And like. Creativity is something you need to continuously do to get better at. Yeah. Whereas science is something you need to be taught the basis of it and then you can use it. Yeah. No. So I think that's. I think. My hope for education is that eventually the institutions will realize that creative stuff... It, yeah, you're right. But I hope that creative stuff is something that needs See, to be expressed, not pushed. If if that was the case, if education were to change, it would have happened by now. Yeah. Because it's been around for so long. We've had so many opportunities to progress it and to change it. Now, yes, there are a few very specific schools like i think doesn't elon musk have a school i think i'd rather learn from the mentor than the institution for creative stuff yeah see synthesis.is elon musk has a school for people that he, he has a school to raise people to be like him essentially okay. so like business founders kind of thing but that school is guess what super, super expensive yeah. yep super expensive so you already have to be kind of like him to even yep fair yep. enough but there is stuff to be said about education i think it is useful in some situations like i said i think i'm better off learning programming at school than i am on my own because of how discreet and specific it is however if You're i'm in college yeah however most of what i'm talking about is I mean, oh, don't, high, dude, don't get me wrong. Like, when I was in high school, it's just all like, yeah. just don't get me wrong. College was stupid for me too, but I also had a different major than you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you were trying to learn photography, which is yeah, not something media. that should be taught in school the way it is. Right. And you've learned more just from just going out there doing, oh, this isn't very good. Let's do it again and do yep. it again and do it again. Whereas with CS, it's like, why isn't this working? Oh, I don't know anything about this. I need to go talk to someone who does. And I'm gonna so it's a little different. The biggest that I've seen, this is gonna sound really stupid, is Minecraft. Oh, and Minecraft, Minecraft Education Edition. I think that's really beautiful. Literally, even outside of the Education Edition, Minecraft, like the programming for it and the software for it, has a physics engine in it. Like, if you, okay, if you have a block and you explode a thing near the block, the block will fly. Guess how that flies? It kind of simulates According, learning in real life. Well, no, yeah, I know. That's what I'm you saying. Just mess it's around a, a and physics you learn engine. relationships that way. It's a physics engine. It's awesome. Because is if, if you want to learn about gravity, you can learn that in Minecraft. Now, Minecraft has a slightly different gravity than Earth. But regardless, you can learn it. But it simulates like the hands-on learning that we get with kids. If you have it like, oh, I need to get this type of thing farmed, you have to learn all the mechanics or figure them out by playing the game, and then you can use those to your advantage, just like in real life, the yeah, physics. Instead right. of being taught a ton of rules and how to use them, you are given a sandbox with nothing, 
and then you learn the rules yourself and you figure out how to use them. And that is a way better learning strategy than just, hey, um, here's the equation for gravity, go F, F off and do homework. Right, and this new Minecraft Education Edition basically has features to teach students about the world, right? Without them having to go out and fight things like pigs or cows to learn about the world. You, you fought kids and kid, <laughs> pigs and cows to, to learn about the in world Minecraft. when you were a kid? Oh, okay. Because like, if you walk up to something in Minecraft Education Edition, you can click on it and learn real life facts about whatever that thing is. Oh, Does that make sense? That's actually so if you walk up to a beehive, it'll give you facts. If you walk up to grass, facts. Cows, facts. Kill it, facts. <laughs> that's just right. how my brain works. Because I have so much trivia in my head, I look over and I'm like, ah, I know how that's made. It's just a pop-up window in my head at all times. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt. It's Ace and I just needed to take a break from the podcast to tell you about our Patreon podcast here. It has all the images, graphics, and topics we go over in the podcast. For only $4 a month, you can get special content no one else has access to. Anyway, back to the show. All right, so I guess this is not the most interesting aspect of our future. We've been talking about robots and self-driving cars, but I think one very important thing in our future is our relationship to getting energy. Energy is what drives all of society. If we had no way of producing energy, we would have no way of manufacturing anything or keeping society running. So I think the one of the most important things in our future is how we get energy, what we do with the energy, and how we distribute it. Uh, an example, you've probably heard a lot about it on the news, but we need to eventually transition from uh, non-renewables to renewable resources. That's, that is something that's going to be very hard. But in the future, um, we're going to have to find other forms of energy. Wind and solar are only so useful because they can only happen during certain times of the day. So that's not necessarily true, though. Literally, the, United... the sun is only out for like 16 hours of the day. Yeah, but you are looking at a very specific spot of the U.S., okay? True. So the U.S. is massive, and we're not even counting the world here. We're counting a single country, right? If you had solar set up from one end to the other, you will be getting energy. You can't have it cloudy over the entire US. And if it's cloudy over the entire US and you're not getting any sun, you have more to worry about than renewable resources. But that <laughs> also means that we need a different energy distribution. Because right now our solar peak is at a different time than our energy usage peak. And the way our uh, energy systems are now is we can ramp up production or ramp down production at will. Right. So we need but better systems to distribute energy from a sunny spot to a dark, the people who are in a dark spot and need that energy and storage. My point with that is that if we were to, if we were to move to solar, the entire United States to solar, you would be able to create a network to support different parts of the US. Yes. However, that's not necessarily how renewable energy works. Like you said, we have issues with that. So you don't use just one. You, you use as many as you, you can. Combine solar, wind, geothermal, right. hydro, nuclear. Hot take, but nuclear? I nuclear power is a very efficient form as long as you don't mess it up. That's not natural or it's not renewable, but it you have crazy amounts of it. Like a gram of uranium gives more energy than like having a gram of coal. First off, two. Statistically speaking, less people die from nuclear per capita than they do from coal or natural gas or other things. It's just nuclear is very scary because when it does go wrong, it goes wrong really bad. There's 
Yes, but the problem is we haven't mastered that yet. Okay, well, if we can't master nuclear fission, fusion, you know what does master nuclear fusion? The sun. There is this thing called a Dyson sphere. And I think it was suggested- Oh, I love Dyson spheres. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was this, It was actually described by Olaf Stapleton in a science fiction novel, Star Maker, in the 1930s. Basically, the idea is you put a giant sphere around the sun and you have basically infinite energy for the next 4 billion years because the sun just yeah. spews that energy. So I think this isn't like any of our lifetimes future. I think this is like 10, 20,000 years from now when humanity needs to move star systems and we need energy. I've just I've seen some videos about it and I don't think it's possible at all. I think it's possible for a the amount of stellar colonizing humanity. The amount of class materials needed isn't like we would need like several trillion Earths to be able to fulfill the amount of resources needed to make a single one. Yes. That's the problem. Well, I'm saying that this would be a good thing if we already have colonized multiple star systems. Yeah. Have that. This isn't a good like, oh, I suppose Earth's if dying, you have like, a star destroyer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is like only, uh, the, the Dyson Sphere is like only a feasible option if we already like own our yeah. local clusters. So the thing with nuclear energy is it does, what it, it would create a good source of energy but we're not to the point where it's good enough to be risking. It's controlled mainly by corporations who do not care. Yes, Because what, what you have to realize is there's a lot of ifs with nuclear power, right? Yes. There's a lot of, well, as long as nothing goes wrong. As long as, as this long storage as this, facility doesn't leak. Right. Yeah. It's probably gonna leak. Oh, okay, because the people who take <laughs> care of it are like, oh, I'm not gonna be alive when this leaks, I don't care. Right, again, like I said, one person not having a cup of coffee in the morning, flips the wrong switch, spills out into the water, killing everyone. <clears throat> Chernobyl. <laughs> so that's one of the problems with nuclear energy. However, you're gonna have that problem with a lot of other sources as well. Coal, oil, natural gases, they all have damaging. But damaging, they're a lot cheaper to utilize. They are cheaper to utilize and a lot, but you have the same problem of power, right? So I think that if we have energy, as far as renewable sources, it should be controlled by non-powerful companies. I agree. And using things like biomass from plants, that has like a quarter the risk of nuclear energy. Yeah. If if that, you know, there are a few things like, I know that hydropower and um, wind energy, they have some fairly high risks. Um, I know that like wind turbines have been killing off birds and different species. Hydropower messes with the rivers yeah. and entire ecosystems. And so I know there's some problems there, but I still think comparatively, compared to the damage that nuclear energy has done, is fairly low. I'm in the opposite camp, but I do see the risks and I do agree that nuclear is extremely dangerous. Right, okay, so hydropower. Oh, I Put it in the hands of a corrupt company. You, just as much damage as oh, nuclear, yeah. right? Put it in the hands of a, let's just say responsible, not company, body, not business, body. <laughs> That's not ever gonna happen, but hypothetically, but in a perfect world. They could world. create a hydro I, machine Damn. that doesn't involve any kind of destruction to the natural flow of water, right? Or at least minimal, because it will affect right. it, but you can eventually But you get can it put it in places effect. it's not, right? Okay. Don't go throw it in the middle of the forest, put it somewhere that's already populated by people and 
messed up by people. And make sure the input to the dam is similar to the output. Right. All the only thing that'll be affected is when you're filling it. Yeah, kind of. Wind okay. energy is a little bit harder because it's hard not to have birds just flying into turbines. But <laughs> well, otherwise, the impact seems pretty low. It's like, oh, yeah. we killed some birds. And actually, wind energy, wind energy uh, has been known to kill a lot of people. People. Yeah. How? Like there, were, I read this story one time. There was a worker on top, and he he had his other worker with him, and they got trapped on top of the turbine, and it caught on fire, and they died in a fiery fireball explosion. As the like operators were listening to them talk, yeah, it was really messed up. So wind energy has some messed up stuff too. I'm just saying that comparatively, we have other options. Yes, I do think that eventually, if we can get all of our energy from the power from from atoms, hydrogen. <coughs> yeah, see, if, we can, yeah, if we can harness the energy stored within atoms, that's the goal. But that's gonna be like extremely hard to do that right, because if you do it wrong, you have a runaway nuclear disaster or you create a mini sun on the earth and kill everyone. So Andy, do you think humans will ever leave this star system? Or do you think we are no. bound to die when the sun does in four die. billion years? I think it, no, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it has to do with the amount of time it takes to get out of the solar system and how much time it takes to travel in space compared to how much space there is. I think it would, it would take too long for us to travel for us to actually. What I mean by four billion, I'm saying like that's our, like if we only exist in the solar system, when the sun dies, we die too. But I see what you mean. It's yeah. infeasible to get anywhere nearby. Yeah. Cause it would take- Maybe robots, but not us, not humans. I think we could. I think if we can find a way to preserve humans, cryogenic sleep or just like stem cells. Yeah, but that's a whole and other argument. And then ship it to a different solar system and just hope it gets there. That's a whole that other would... argument though. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you would have to learn how to do that in the first place. What I mean by by humans, I don't mean like Disney. us. Like, oh, let's go over to Alpha Centauri for the weekend. I mean like, do you think humanity is destined to end in our solar <laughs> system or do you think humanity is destined to survive past our solar system? I think we're going to be stuck to the solar system. We're going to get far in the solar system, but I don't think we're going to get out of it. I think you're probably right. I don't think humanity is going to leave the solar system and we're going to die here. Yeah. But at the same time, I also have a, a hope that in the one billion years we have before things get really hairy with the habitable zone and earth and temperature, if we don't have a climate <laughs> disaster before then, I, I would like to hope that that much time will have us have a solution, but you know, Planet. physics is not on our Planet side. Planet death? So what do you think the most important existential threat to humanity Short is? Short term or long term? Most important, so the most upcoming currently. Uh, currently, uh, uh, runaway, um, what's it called? Runaway greenhouse effect. Like Venus, but not as So bad. global warming. Yeah. 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 I was talking to older people that I won't mention who, they don't believe in it almost at all. Oh yeah, I know. It's kind of frustrating. But almost everybody from our generation not only believes in it, fully agrees with it, and has actively tried to stop it. There's a generational gap there. Yeah. It's really bad. It's really bad, because most of the people in power are like, eh. Yep. Because like, they're all old! And I'm like, <laughs> and the whole point is, if you start doing stuff now, we won't have to do as much later and yep. it won't be as bad later. Just start 40 years ago and we wouldn't be in this mess. Yeah. But no. They're the ones who caused it and now we have to clean up. And it's gonna be borderline impossible to do that. 
I don't think it's borderline impossible, but I think it's going to be painful. I forgot what... I think it's going to be really painful. I forgot what stat it was. It was like, if we don't get all of our shit together by 2022, it's irreversible. I forgot what stat that was. Like, legitimately. They were like, yeah, if we do not start cleaning and almost completely eliminate... Not completely. Like, get rid of, like, 75%. Become of, carbon neutral at the very least. At the no, very least. No, not even considering that. Um, just waste. Oh. Generalized waste. If we don't cut back on that by like seventy five percent by twenty twenty two, we're done. It's irreversible. All right, I'm gonna no matter what. <laughs> yeah. So keep that in mind. And that's not even that's that's global warming mixed with global destabilization, trashing. ecosystems, yep. uh, not having renewable energy sources, eventually using up our Food. supply, yep. having non renewable. Food. Not even just food. Water. I mean, like just all like metal. Everything. Every, everything we <laughs> yeah. manufacture, we don't use it. We don't use it. Eventually, we're gonna run out of feasible ways to get it. I'm pretty worried about food. I am too. I live in a Western country, so I'm not as worried about it because it won't well, no, be wor soon. I'm worried about. But like, it will. It will be bad real fast. Because once we mess with the environment so much that crops start growing less, it's dust gonna bolt. just. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but globally. <laughs> yeah, dust bowl, but the entire North America. Have you ever heard of the movie Soylent Green? No. Basically, it's a dystopian movie set in the future where uh, food production is so bad that they have to use like krill and stuff. Krill and stuff, and they make a nutritional drink called Soylent that everyone eats. That's all they get. Apples are almost like apples are like for rich people, like worse than caviar. Then they have population <laughs> control and they start making people into Soylent because they have no other food source. I legitimately like, think that's probably I mean, they are good source of nutrition. <laughs> I mean, this is are... 1973? This came out in 1973 and the generation that watched this doesn't believe in global warming? Well, some of them do, but the ones Almost none. The important ones don't. Again, I'm going to repeat myself. This came out in 1973, 1973. and that generation does not believe in all this. Whoever created it, though. That would scare me. That would be, like, that movie alone, like, just the concept. Like, yeah, I, I haven't like, seen Yeah, oh, they're eating people, and I'm like, oh, climate disaster. Yeah, like, that's where it's going to go. That movie scares me not because of the eating people, but because of the climate disaster. Yep. If you were turned into a nutritional milkshake, Andy, I would not hesitate. Depends. Where on the chain am I? Am I going to get eaten or am I eating people? It depends. Do you want to disobey the government who's really restrictive? Or are you going to fall in line like a sheep? What do you think? You're going to be a train. <laughs> no, because I won't get caught. Okay, if you get caught, you'll be a drink. You'll, you'll be a protein shake. If I become a protein shake, you have to drink me. Okay. You have to be the one to drink. I'm down. You, you have a blender. Just slowly thing. put a trunk of your you hand. You have to drink all of it. I don't see why that's a problem. Ah, uh, well, all of that was pretty dark. Yeah, I think I, I'm, I think I'm depressed now. Thanks for podcast listening. It that will be two for day, guys. I think what he was trying to say is that we're going to wrap it up for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>